I don't accept the barrier that I just don't know how to use the tech as, as a reason to not be on social media. I challenge that in all physicians, especially in our field, because the tech is always changing, even on the REI end of it. We're always learning new skills. We're having to keep up as things evolve. And as you said, social media is just an involvement in how people communicate and how we reach each other. And it is just a skill that needs to be learned on some levels. Welcome to Inside Reproductive Health, the shop talk of the fertility field. Here you'll hear authentic and unscripted conversations about practice management, patient relations, and business development from the most forward-thinking experts in our field. Now here's the founder of Fertility Bridge and the host of Inside Reproductive Health, Griffin Jones. Today I'm here with Dr. Natalie Crawford. Dr. Natalie Crawford is an accomplished REI who currently practices in Austin, Texas. She did her medical school studying at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. She did her residency at OBGYN at UT Southwestern and most recently completed her fellowship in REI at University of She currently lives in Austin, Texas with her husband, Austin native Jason, and their two young children. The reason why Dr. Crawford is on the show with me today is because of her several thousand Instagram followers and the way that she's been able to use social media to connect with patients and with colleagues. Dr. Crawford, Natalie, welcome to the show. Hi, Griffin. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be doing this with you today and talking about kind of the role of the REI in the social media world. It's something I'm really passionate about. You're among the first people that I've had on the show. You're among the first episodes. And the reason why you are on that short list is because you and I met several years ago through social. And at that time, I think you were amassing some followers. Maybe you had a couple thousand followers at that time. I, I think the last I looked, you're up to almost 48,000 now. And this is just Instagram. I'm not even talking about other channels. And so I'm really curious, how did that start for you? Did it start way before school even? And how did it unravel? Yeah, you'll laugh at me. I was barely on Facebook through medical school or residency. I was a big believer of the keep your personal and professional lives separate camp when it comes to social media. But at my at the end of my fellowship, I have a younger sister who's very prominent in the tech world. And she's much younger. She's about eight years younger, kind of our ideal demographic. And she came to me one day and said, I wish you would put more of what you do out there because I think as a fertility doctor, it's fascinating and I have no idea what you do. And I'm your sister and I have no idea about my own fertility, like what I should know, when I should try to get pregnant or any of that. And it really just spoke to me as far as something that I'm passionate about, which is educating young women about their fertility and loving my job as a fertility physician. I often see women too late. You know, they've already had time go by. They've already been diagnosed with diminished ovarian reserve. And I thought this could be an avenue to reach people before they had issues to educate them and kind of reach more people than you can see in a day across from your desk. And it's really just grown immensely. So I've only had the Instagram open for about two and a half years. And I really don't have many other platforms at the current moment. 
So what was the momentum of it? You, you start putting some, just some pictures on, just like, hey, this is what I'm doing with my day. You find other people that are on there and you're connecting via hashtags, I presume. But how did it build up? Yeah, the best advice I got early was that it's really, if you're wanting to connect with people, it's really worthless if you don't connect back. So it's not a passive medium. You can't just put a picture of you in scrubs out there and expect to get followers who you want to get unless you're telling a story and you're talking back with them and to follow people in the space who inspire you. So I started following early a lot of other physicians. None of them were in the infertility space, but seeing what they were putting out there as far as emergency medicine or dermatology or plastic surgery and how they were educating patients, I started following them and commenting and engaging with them and reaching out to them for advice. Uh, it's really slow growing organic growth at the first, you know, I just engaged and put things out there and just kept putting. And then it's crazy how even in the last six months, you know, it's like doubled, it just exponentiates once you get bigger. This started as a means of satisfying some of your sister's curiosity. And then it ended up being a way to just engage and promote the, the field and promote the ideas and research that you've worked on. And this is a theme that has come up in earlier episodes with Ali Domar and Rebecca Flick from Resolve. It's something I talked to Serena Chen a lot about, which is social media we sometimes view as something apart, but as it becomes the way that people communicate, it just comes part of the standard of care. I completely agree. I've been floored by how it's changed my career and how much power it has. You know, a medium that I looked at just to provide education has provided me a community. It's provided me opportunities. It has connected me with so many people. And as you know, you've mentioned before, it's a great way to market yourself and give a voice to you in an online world that's not just patient reviews. You're controlling the story. And I find that patients are really drawn into the fact that they know a little bit about me before they sit down or they often have read some of my stuff either they find me through the Instagram world and I think that just allows that connection to be even more meaningful controlling the story is a very compelling reason for I think physicians who maybe have no interest in getting on social or haven't thought too much about it before because otherwise you're leaving the story completely up to someone else's hands. And sometimes people will say, why did this person say something bad about me on Google reviews or on Fertility IQ or on Facebook? And, and I know that negative reviews sometimes really bother physicians. I have had several clients tell me, I can't sleep at night when somebody leaves a negative review about me. I hate that too. When I put something in my career and somebody has a difference of opinion or doesn't appreciate it or looks at something cynically, I think we all do. But when you start to do your own storytelling, especially on social media, then you start to bring out a lot more of the people who agree with you also. And you do that all the time in so many different little sub segments like you're doing it with you do it with women in medicine you do it with infertility you do it uh just talking about like residency and training and so like for the people that are i guess are concerned about 
the haters, you know, how do you like, just what's like the balance been for you with like positive and negative? I think I just come to the point where I realize you can't please everybody all the time. And that's in your clinical practice, you're going to get negative reviews, that's in the online world. But if you're putting out content that you care about, and you can stand behind, then it doesn't really matter as much. You know, I definitely try to post opposing viewpoints. I don't try to take down comments that are different than mine, unless they're being derogatory or really leading the conversation into a path that I don't like. But I view it as everybody should have a space and they have their opinion. And I know not everybody's going to like everything I'm doing or saying, but I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just trying to be real. I really believe that life in general is about connecting with people and social media is the modern way to do so. And you can connect with people who are going to be your patients, people who will never be your patients across the country who are just looking for support or who are scared to go to the infertility doctor and then they see you on there and you're not that scary. Or other young women in medicine who are afraid, they've been told they can't do X, Y, or Z, you know, because they won't have a family or this or that. So I find that being yourself and being a little bit vulnerable to that criticism opens you up to being able to make better connections overall. So I just take the good with the bad when it comes to that. And by the way, if we, if I just left the soundbite like that, it would sound like that, you know, there's a lot of negativity in your social media feed and like, there's very, I don't, I haven't seen any haters, but I, I think just looking that, I mean, the, at, at everybody, certainly yours, the, the positive, is so much more than the negative in terms of comments, feedback, interaction, unless we're on Twitter talking about politics or something. But for the most part, like you said, you're just putting out opinions that you stand behind, viewpoints that you really believe in and have put some thought into. And maybe not everybody will like it, like them. But for, for the most part, you are connecting with people who either validate that viewpoint or benefit from it in some way? I think a lot of, at least the modern generation on social media has no time to engage in arguments, nor do they want to. So if you're not their cup of tea, they're going to stop. Mm, I don't know if you've been, <laughs> okay, you're right. any political, hashtag any political term Let on me, Twitter. You're right. Let I, me rephrase. How about that. the demographic that I am after, is, who is on Instagram, is often looking for inspiration over controversy. And I'm not saying everybody, but certainly who am I appealing to young reproductive age women? Like that's who my demographic is. A lot of them are wanting to be professional in some way. A lot of them are interested in starting a family or trying to start a family. And they're going to this space for support and for inspiration. So you're right. Overall, I find my Instagram like a happy place where people are looking for each other or trying to open up their mind about different viewpoints. And there's not really very much public hating that's happening in that space you you hit a killer point in there which is one of the things that you're doing is that when people come in to see you that have already seen you on social they feel like they know you a bit they feel like they can open up to you more quickly you have a rapport already with them coming in and one of the things when i first got into this field it's probably four or five years ago i was having dinner with an REI who's a really, really great guy. And he was asking me, Griffin, these, these people that if I had just seen them two years earlier, I would have so many more options for being able to help them. How do I get them 
to come in those two years earlier. And I'm thinking, this, this is how you do it. And so talk a little bit about that, about the rapport building. I always feel like infertility is a one-way street with vulnerability. You're asking somebody to sit across from you and open up and tell you their story, which usually has some type of heartbreak in it. And you're just kind of on the other receiving end of that. When they're able to feel like you've shared some vulnerability, if that's on social media, and it doesn't always have to be super vulnerable, just putting yourself out there is vulnerability. And they see that you're there, they've read your writing, it feels like they have a glimpse into your life also. That's why I'm a, I just think it makes the relationship more meaningful from the get-go and easier to connect and get through some of those hard moments and to gain trust. I'll, I'll interject here and say, I'm a huge believer that a pure professional page doesn't always accomplish that goal if you're not showing any of who you are as a person, because at least in the Instagram world, people are there to try to get to know who you are as a person. So if it's super vanilla, just quotes all the time and nothing about you, you're not going to accomplish any goal. Yeah, I I face that fairly frequently. It's, it's often from a prospective client who's reaching out to me that just has an idea in their mind that this guy with the funny haircut and the colored pants can bring us more patience on social media. And it's, it's just magic. They're just magic patients that will come to us if we somehow air quote, do Facebook or do Instagram. And, and then I, you see like tons of practices using probably, probably some like third, probably not even a marketing agency. It's probably something like local edge or some old subsidiary company of the phone book. And they're just like kind of posting something on Instagram that you know is a recycled image or a link that they find from a Google news search about infertility that day. And there's no engagement. And consequently, it's not doing anything for them for their practice for their rapport with patients. Social media is a forest. If that tree goes down and nobody hears it, it didn't fall. And all that matters to me is how people engage. And it, to me, you happen to have, you happen to have scaled it. You have 48,000 followers and on any given uh, photo of yours, you've got thousands of comments and like why you're on the show is because you've scaled it to that level. But people don't really have to do that. If you have 300 followers or 100 followers, but you're connecting with them in a meaningful way, it can impact your practice and other parts of your life. Griffin, I love that you said that. I totally believe that there's power in social media and you don't have to get to the tens of thousands of followers level to get it for what you're looking for. The truth is having a social media presence that's engaged and real, even if it's just behind the scenes pictures in your office or introducing your staff, it validates you as a modern practice. And as an REI, we have very modern technology. And so being a modern practice really appeals to the generation that's looking to come to us for care. So I think I can say this. Uh, I, th I think it's public news, but are you going to be speaking about social media and physician use of it at conference? Uh I summer, am early this summer. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. All right. So that's uh Midwest reproductive symposium. It's one of it's, it is my favorite meeting 
in the field and I'm a little biased to it and I've spoken about social media there. I'm really looking forward to coming and seeing your talk because when I talk to other agency owners, I have a different rapport than even when I'm talking with physicians. And if I'm talking with REI practice owners, they can connect to me as a business owner. They can connect to me as somebody who has deep expertise in developing fertility practices and acquiring new patients, but I'm still not a physician. And so at the end of the day, there's always that lack of peer authority to just grab somebody by the shoulders and say, fricking do this like I can do with other digital agency owners and or other business development consultants. And so when you're talking with other physicians, probably getting the same objections that I have, like, I don't have the time, I don't know how to use it. Uh, it's for kids. I, you know, I, I just, I don't know what I would post. How do you get people to dip their baby toe in the water? I usually just try to appeal to them that most physicians who are in our field really do want to reach people. And our job is very educational. I mean, we will tell you, we sit across from the desk and we are drawing diagrams and explaining how the reproductive system works. And there's a way to do that on a different level. I usually say that if you have a clear objective in mind, social media isn't as daunting as it seems. You just got to start putting yourself out there. And that's usually where the big fear is. The the biggest thing that I find from other physicians, the two barriers is one time, they're afraid of the time investment. Um, and you know, who will take my pictures? What pictures will I use? And then this weird fear of self-promoting, like I don't wanna just be putting pictures of me all over the place and be having the impression that I'm arrogant or whatever badness comes with that. To me, I think that self-promoting, personal branding, you're giving a voice to yourself. You've worked hard as a physician to do whatever job it is you're wanting to do. There's no harm in trying to spread that greater. But I think that's a kind of a problem and a barrier is that, oh, if it's just pictures of me, people are going to think that I'm arrogant or that, I don't know. And I try to break that down. The reason why my feed is pictures of, of me is I believe that people on social media are very lazy and they're scrolling their feed and they don't see your name, but they see your picture. And if the picture is a stack of books on the table, they may not stop. If the picture is of me, my followers know what I look like and they often will stop and read what I write. So versus it saying being self-promoting per se, even if that's a bad thing, it is more of a way to capture attention because I have a message to spread. But I think that the time commitment really isn't as big as people are afraid of. It's just, it's fearful to go into something new. And I think that's the, the biggest barrier, honestly. Yeah, it's, I, I always think, you know, I didn't grow up doing this is, is what people will say to me and say, well, I didn't necessarily grow up with it either. I didn't have a smartphone when I was in, you know, I, I'm still, even us earlier millennials are still a little bit pre-internet, but, but you didn't grow up driving either, or you didn't grow up with all of these other things and and in addition to how relevant it is to practicing medicine it's also indisposable to just running a business and for example i suck at accounting i am really bad with managerial accounting that i'm allowed to just ignore that 
I still have to learn it to a baseline to be able to help my accountant interact with them and be able to have conversations with my bookkeeper and make my business function and grow. And there's a certain baseline of literacy that I think now is non-negotiable. 10 years ago, it might've been a nicety, but today it seems part of, of the vernacular. And I'm going to jump into that a little bit, but I also want to say that you are pretty good people on. It doesn't always have to be about us. If we're, if it's our Instagram of most of the time, it will be, if it's our channel, but part of the reason I think we met is, you know, we just, one of the things that our company does is we like just spotlight people. We say, Hey, check this person out. This is what they're doing. We like them. And it makes it a really good way to connect with people that isn't just about us. Yeah. I think it's a great way to collaborate and to expand your networking, you know, your, your professional network. And even just within the space in general, there's no way. I mean, I know closely I have, phone conversations and and I see people that I've met from Instagram that in a networking, you know, in our professional realm that I never would have run into or I would rarely see them. And now I have all this connection with them. And about the other thing, I don't accept the the barrier that I just don't know how to use the tech as, as a reason to not be on social media. I challenge that in all physicians, especially in our field, because the tech is always changing, even on the REI end of it. We're always learning new skills. We're having to keep up as things evolve. And as you said, social media is just an involvement in how people communicate and how we reach each other. And it is just a skill that needs to be learned on some level. So I like to challenge physicians when they say they just can't, don't want to learn that new skill, because obviously as physicians, we can, we can learn lots of skills. I am huge on responding to people that comment on social media. I think it's one of the most important things that you can do. If you have somebody, we do it on our social media channels, but we also do it for clinics. If somebody comes on and says, Dr. So-and-so is the greatest, or they, even if they're just like commenting on one of our posts, we try to respond to every single one of those and just say, hey, thanks for the kind words. Hope you're having a nice day. Something brief, something non PHI, but, and you were really, really good about that for a long time. You would get dozens and dozens of comments and there would be dozens and dozens of replies from you. Now that you've scaled up to a level that is a lot, are you able to do that still? I think it's still very meaningful to do that because if people are taking the time to leave a thought on your page, to respond to it thoughtfully is, is meaningful and it allows that connection to grow. I, tr- what I try to do when I have a post is, you know, in the evening after my kids are asleep, you know, I look back through and I certainly can't respond to every single one anymore. And so ones that are like hearts or thank you or little things, I just like them. But ones that, you know, are a, a thought out comment or a question, I do try to respond to because I think that people who are asking for that next level of engagement or who are, really commenting something meaningful, it, you want to foster that relationship. That's the whole point of the social game. So to ignore those comments or those opportunities, they're just lost opportunities. I'm going to jump back into what I think is the biggest point. We've talked about it becoming the, just become talked about participating in social media as part of the standard of care, part of 
operating a practice or a business. And I want to delve in a little bit deeper of why and specifically what I mean by it just becoming the vernacular. It just becomes part of the way people talk in, in the mid 20th century when television and radio really started taking over. Marshall McLuhan coined the phrase, the medium is the message. And when I, I was scrolling through your Instagram stories today, which is like another feature apart from a platform in and of itself and, and a way that people really use to spend so much of their media time. And you were curating stories from other in medicine and not just like just the fact that you curated it, just the fact that this platform allowed you to interact with dozens of people and get their opinions and show the way that you were then telling their story, like use the features to circle a paragraph that they said or highlight a word they used and, and it, you know, interject your commentary with an arrow and, and some that just is the way people communicate today. And we're not 18 year olds. And that behavior is only aging up. And so we're not doing that. Eventually, you just become the person that doesn't know how to use a telephone, that doesn't know how to telegraph, that doesn't know how to use a fax machine. And eventually, you're not a part of the conversation at all. And I want you just to talk a little bit about that, about how communicating in this way is just the contemporary way of doing it. I totally agree. I think this is just the contemporary way of communicating. I think that we are in a unique position as REI specifically are, we have a very specific age of the patient range, right? We have women typically age, you know, 18 to 45. And so we are going to get older. I'm going to get older and my patients who are younger now are going to age into this range and they are going to only be more savvy and communicate through mediums like this and other things that we can't even imagine. And if you can't be relevant to them, then I don't know how you're going to communicate with them. So I believe that staying modern in that way is really important to, to feel like you care about being relevant to them. You know, I don't think that it's maybe physicians in every field, we could argue, maybe it's not as important for them. I mean, I think it is for everybody, but I could hear the argument. But for our field specifically, where as a physician, by the time you get through your whole REI fellowship, you are, you're going to be starting to get to the older end of your demographic, you know, and so you have to be able to look at what's coming next to relate back to them. I could spend the rest of this day on this topic of partly built a career on it so <laughs> i i think the the ultimate guide to fertility marketing in the blog might be enough for people to delve into if they wanted more <laughs> of my opinions but is there anything that you want to conclude on this topic that i haven't asked you that other people in our field should know or consider I'd like to say I get asked all the time, you know, there's so much on social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and blogging and that it overwhelms people and do they need to do it all? 
And the advice I got is just start with one, learn one platform, do it well, learn what your voice is and what your audience is, and then you can expand upon it later. But I do think it can be overwhelming to try to master different things at one time. And so I just like to say, there's no harm in saying, I'm just going to take this first step and learn Twitter or learn Instagram or whatever you think is the right medium to communicate with who you want to communicate with. And everyone who's listening should follow you on Instagram. We're going to link to that in the show notes. What is your, is it Natalie Crawford MD at, in, on that, Instagram? That's it. Yeah. Natalie Crawford MD. You heard it here from me, everyone. Follow and pay attention. Dr. Natalie Crawford, Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for coming on Inside Reproductive Health. Thanks so much, Griffin. It was a blast. You've been listening to the Inside Reproductive Health podcast with Griffin Jones. If you have a strong opinion about today's episode, we want to hear it. Agree, disagree, or have another point to add, please email podcast at fertilitybridge.com and tell us if you recommend a guest or a topic for a future episode. If you're ready to skyrocket your fertility practices growth and double your IVF cycles, schedule your fertility marketing discovery call by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you just want to learn more tactics to market your fertility center, download our free ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Fertility Marketing on fertilitybridge.com, also available in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast, and we look forward to talking more fertility shop on future episodes.